Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velarkis and I'm an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, an award-winning virtual practice dedicated to all things reproductive health, fertility and pregnancy nutrition. And today's episode is all about comparing different oils for fertility and preconception health. And honestly, it's very generalizable to general health and nutrition principles. So this is really one for everybody. But of course, I'm going to be relating it to key preconception and fertility health outcomes and any research that we have available. And I will give you what my favorite pick of oils are for fertility. So we are going to dive right in so that you can learn what is the best oil that you can use to cook with, dress your salads with, and even bake with when it comes to your fertility goals. I am going to talk through some of the common oils, how they cope under heat when cooking, and their subsequent nutritional profiles, and any key pros and cons, and give you my favorite and why. But before we get into it naturally, we need to define what is an oil. It is a 100% fat substance that is liquid at room temperature. Now, fats are necessary in our diet to help maintain healthy cell membranes, our skin, brain function, and of course, they are also the building blocks for reproductive hormones like estrogen and progesterone as well as testosterone. A very low-fat diet is not considered healthy generally and certainly not for fertility and pregnancy health. So picture this, you're in the oil aisle of your local supermarket or grocery store. You need to top up, but what do you get? There's the vegetable oil, there's the canola oil, grapeseed oil, olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, virgin olive oil, there's rice bran oil, coconut oil, but that one's all hard and stuck together when it's cold, avocado oil, which is very green, peanut oil, soy oil, and there's macadamia oil. And I mean, the list truly goes on and on. And many people are shocked to find out how many different types of oil you can possibly get. And that is truly a non-exhaustive list that I've given you. (laughs) So I'm going to walk you through the key differences nutritionally between some of these. Definitely not all of them. Otherwise, we'd be here all day. But some of the most common ones and what is the best all-rounder to use in your kitchen for cooking, baking, salads, dressings for fertility. So as I put my adjudicator hat on, I'm going to be judging on a few key metrics. So fat profile. So we want more unsaturated fats like monounsaturated fats, polyunsaturated fats like omega-3s particularly. Omega-6s are important too, but most of us have a high ratio of omega-6s in our diet compared to omega-3s because of our food supply, 
oils and a few other factors, poor seafood intake, etc. But ideally, we also want the trans fats and the saturated fats to be low as these are pro-inflammatory and can potentially have a negative impact on sperm and egg health in high amounts in the diet. We also want to judge it off its antioxidant profile. How many antioxidants are in there? A big variety, a small variety? Is it very concentrated? Is there a high amount of general antioxidants in there or is there not much at all? We know that those are very beneficial for egg and sperm health. So we want those in there if we can get them. And then finally, we want to think about heat stability, which is always a topic of contention in this space, but very misunderstood as the quote unquote smoke point of the oil is not that important, but it's been debunked, but most people unaware that it has been debunked. But smoke point is a very poor indicator of oil stability or safety. And other factors such as the formation of something called polar compounds are considered far more relevant according to the scientific literature and a much better indicator of the oil stability and nutrient losses in the oil, as well as the formation of trans fats with heating. So I'm going to be paying attention more to that than the actual smoke point. Although I appreciate if you live in your apartment with the smoke alarm, the smoke point is kind of important. So that aside, I'm going to be just focusing on the nutritional elements and let's get into it. So first up, canola oil, which is a huge favorite, one of the most commonly used in many households. It's high in monounsaturated fats, which is a high quality fat, 62%, and low in saturated fat, only 7%. It is high in a type of omega-3 called ALA or alpha-lipoic acid. However, unfortunately, the conversion of ALA to the long-chain omega-3s, EPA and DHA, is quite poor. So 4 to 12% conversion to those more anti-inflammatory properties from EPA and DHA for healthy eggs and sperm. So whilst ALA is always nice, it's not really doing any of the heavy lifting in the omega-3 steaks because, you know, it's not an oily fish, for example. It also has generally quite low antioxidant properties compared to other oils. Canola oil does have a high smoke point at around 256 degrees Celsius, meaning that it's useful for cooking at high temperatures without smoking up your apartment. But when it comes to polar compound formation at high temperatures, it doesn't come out on top. In fact, it was classed in the bottom three in one study after heating at 100 degrees Celsius, 180 degrees Celsius, sorry, for 400 minutes compared to some of the other oils that we'll discuss shortly. So keep this in mind. It is got signs of instability for sure. Also, as time goes on with heating, the trans fat content increases by about 1%, which doesn't seem like much, but when we're aiming to keep total trans fat intake per day at or below 1% of your total energy or caloric intake per day, all these little bits really do add up. Okay, the next cab off the rank is vegetable oil. So vegetable oil is usually made from a blend of oils, making it an inexpensive option globally, given that it is made of multiple oils. It can be difficult to determine the ratio of each. So vegetable oils is equally high in monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats, about 42% each, and sits at around 14% saturated fat, which is 
double that of canola oil. Like canola oil, though, it is higher in ALA and doesn't have great antioxidant properties. While small amounts of this oil and canola oil in packaged foods in the context of a nutritious diet isn't something to stress too much about, if I was to select a mainstay oil to cook with, vegetable oil wouldn't be on my list. Next up is peanut oil. Peanut oil is high in omega-6 fatty acids. A high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is associated, generally speaking, with a pro-inflammatory state, which is going to potentially have a negative impact on reproductive health and function and fertility. Given excess inflammation can harm the quality of both eggs and sperm, it is recommended that you minimize the excessive use of peanut oil as your main dietary source of fat. An occasional peanut oil-based dish on a night out or for a particular cuisine on occasion is so fine, but in the common Western diet where the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is pretty predicted to stand at about 15 to 1, where the ideal aim is a ratio of at least 5 to 1. Minimizing these excess omega-6s where you can is important for egg quality and sperm quality and maintaining healthy ovarian reserve as we age. It performs suboptimally under prolonged heat and also generates some more trans fats than some of the other oils when heated. Next up is coconut oil. Now, coconut oil was super popular from about 2015 onwards, and still to this day, I do come across people who are still using it like it's going out of fashion. And I'm not talking about using it on your hair or on your skin. Hun, you do you on that front. Um, I'm talking about orally, nutrition, <laughs> cooking, eating with it, etc. Uh, that's what I'm really focusing on. So it was a huge popular choice uh, with the ketogenic diet, the paleo diet on the rise at the time. So coconut oil, like all other coconut products, contains predominantly saturated fat, around 91%. Now, whoa, that is much higher compared to the other oils we've just discussed. Such a high intake of saturated fats is unfavorable for both male and female fertility. Again, circles back to inflammation, Polar compound formation under prolonged heat and trans fat production is pretty good, which is why it gains so much popularity to cook with. But I don't know about you, I don't love my meat cooked in coconut oil and certainly not at the expense of the sheer amount of saturated fat that is in there. We want to really be minimizing that for egg and sperm quality because chances are coconut oil is not the only dietary source of saturated fat in your diet each day. Most of us are getting some saturated fats from a variety of nutritious foods as well as less nutritious foods. The antioxidant content of coconut oil is very low and doesn't make a significant contribution to your overall diet. So little benefit and a lot of downsides to factor in here. Next up is avocado oil, which is rich in vitamin E, which you may have heard us talk about before in our Foods for Implantation episode. Its omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is about 13 to 1. So whilst this ratio is not ideal, the total amount of omega-6 is decently low and 70% of its fat content in its profile is monounsaturated fats, which are nice. We like those. Avocado has good antioxidant properties naturally it's coming from a vegetable and that's likely due to its high vitamin e co content 
Polar compound formation with heat and trans fat formation with heating is pretty good too, but certainly the fat ratio and antioxidant profile could be better. And if you've never tasted avocado oil before, it definitely has a very potent flavor profile, which doesn't really go with everything and can be a bit of a barrier to using it in my experience. Now, the next one is probably going to come as no surprise as my pick, which is extra virgin olive oil or Evu for short. Evu is our gold standard of oils for health and for fertility as well. Not only does it have a good fat profile, up to 85% monounsaturated fats, depending on the type of olive, the seasonal produce and the quality of the olive oil, but most importantly, it has an excellent antioxidant profile, a wide variety of antioxidants such as oleocanthal, oleopene, oleic acid. I'm really struggling here with the pronunciation. I'm sorry. (laughs) And antioxidants are paramount when it comes to optimizing sperm and egg because it helps protect cells against damage. They are helpful in reducing inflammatory markers, which is always a big bonus for fertility outcomes too. Evu has also got a good amount of omega-3 fats, which may be helpful on the inflammation front too. And oleocanthal in particular has been studied for its unique anti-inflammatory characteristics and has been shown to exhibit multiple modes of action in targeting inflammatory-related diseases, including arthritis, neurodegenerative diseases, and some cancers. It has been shown to have similar properties to that of ibuprofen, which is commonly used for pain relief in conditions such as endometriosis, for example. A common point of debate when it comes to Evo is the smoke point, though. Research has shown that extra virgin olive oil is comparable to or better than other plant-based oils for cooking or frying at temperatures between 180 and 200 degrees Celsius, deeming it safe for cooking at moderately high temperatures. It produces very, very low amounts of trans fats upon heating compared to other oils and has the most antioxidants available, not only before you heat it, but after you heat it too. It also produces the fewest polar compounds compared to most other oils, including virgin olive oil and olive oil varieties. So the extra virgin part is super, super important because this means that the olive has gone from the tree to being crushed within a much shorter amount of time, on average less than four hours, which means that the heat and the nutrient losses are minimized, retaining the maximum antioxidants. And if we retain more of those antioxidants, those antioxidants are not only imparting a health benefit to us, but actually protect the oil from the potential damage that heat can be doing to the nutritional profile of the oil itself. So it's like self-preserving in a way. Now, I know some people struggle with the flavor of Evu. You can use a light variety for dishes like stir fries and curries. Light refers to the flavor profile because of the types of olives, not the fat content. So just keep that in mind. And you can also buy more robustly flavored extra virgin olive oil for Mediterranean dishes like pasta dishes, roasted veggie salads, meat and fish dishes, for example. I like to use the lightly flavored extra virgin olive oil to bake with as well instead of using butter or vegetable oil or canola oil instead. I personally am quite adapted to the flavor of olive oil in my diet as a Greek and as a Mediterranean. So it doesn't really bother me, but I know for some people it does take a little bit of getting used to uh, because it does have a pretty strong flavor profile to adapt to. Now, I know I didn't cover 
every single oil in this episode. But if you wanted to, I will leave linked below in the show notes an amazing interactive comparison tool on the Olive Wellness Institute website. It's not sponsored. It's just awesome. It breaks this down into visuals as well. I've written a few articles for them on their website about extra virgin olive oil and endometriosis and fertility and the Mediterranean diet. So if you want to check those out, you're welcome to as well. Now, we talk about extra virgin olive oil as your main oil in cooking and in the kitchen in our free preconception lifestyle checklist, which is a simple one-page summary for him and for her, outlining the key dietary, supplement, lifestyle, and environmental changes you can make to improve your health before parenthood. It's already been downloaded by over 5,000 hopeful parents and it's yours for free. So if you'd like to join them, hit the link in the show notes to grab your free copy. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on your favorite podcasting streaming platform to be the first to know when new episodes drop each week. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or share it with a family member or friend who needs to hear this episode. It really does go a long way in helping us to reach more ears with our evidence-based nutrition messages. All right, everyone, I hope you love this episode and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye.